0: Today's uh, lesson, uh, as we continue to teach through First and Second Timothy and Titus, again um, you know, I'm just, I'm just following the way that God put it all together. I'm not making it up. Um, last week we studied um, Paul's lesson to Timothy about qualifications for leadership in ministry, and. Um, I think they're very important because we see so many um, in the news, in uh, mainstream media, I mean, of fallen church leaders, of fallen denominational leaders, um, fallen pastors, men who, this is what's crazy here, men who were qualified men who met the qualifications. So that tells me, and <clears throat> the Word of God tells me, that we, we can't stop there, right? We can't just say, oh, I'm, I'm qualified, I'm good. Remember you said I'm hired, so you just got to trust me. It, it can't stop there. It can't stop there. So, so today we get to study um, conduct, and man, we hate that, don't we? Don't we hate it when people tell us how we're supposed to live, <laughs> and how we're supposed to act, and what we're supposed to do? Boy, we, that is not in my—that's not in our vocabulary, right? We don't like that. We don't submission. Mm, I don't. Nope. I prefer to just uh, have freedom. I love it. Let this, my wife will tell you. I love freedom. I don't like lists. Don't don't do it. That is not my love language lists. Oof. Now I get it. There are people who love lists, and that's okay. I'm just not one of them. But uh, I, the Word of God supersedes all other man-made uh, advice and wisdom, so I I submit to it. So we're going to see uh, what it has for us today. So, so from last week, if you weren't with us, um, our our little formula that I surmised uh, from Paul's teaching for, uh, for qualification for ministry was something like this, C plus, C plus C plus C plus C plus C plus C over T is how you would using algebra determine whether or not someone's qualified for ministry. Now what does that mean? Well the C or the C's Uh, stand for things like calling, and character, and competency, commitment, compassion, and conduct. And those are all great things that should be assessed and evaluated in our lives. Um, But the important part of that formula was the bottom, the T, time. Over time, how are you doing in each of those areas? So of course we read several passages where there were lists again, back to the, my favorite there were lists of things that we should be aware of, like, does the person aspire to a noble work? Which would what see would that be? It would assess calling, their calling. Do they have an aspiration to even be part of the ministry? Um, are they above reproach, which would speak to conduct or character? A husband of one wife, commitment, self-controlled, conduct, sensible character? hospitable, maybe compassion. So as we go through these lists, we can start to kind of lump them together and see where they fall and what, what, what we're assessing, really, as we, as we look at these things in the life of a servant of Jesus Christ. And that's really what we're talking about, right? Someone who is serving our Lord. So he's, so he's qualified, we've determined, okay, based on this list of qualifications, and over a period of time, we've assessed them, and we, de- we determine, this guy's, this guy's the guy. This guy's qualified to serve and lead, to oversee, depending on what translation, you'll see all those words, pastor, shepherd, he's qualified. So he's got the job, but then what? <laughs> so then what does he do? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Luckily, we have... A great text that'll teach us a lot about this very thing. So, what's it like to be qualified, to meet the qualification, to meet the standard that's set out? My resume matches any other resume that would be fitting for the job. I have a I have a little story, a little illustration. So I had a friend in the army who Transitioned out. He, he didn't want to serve anymore. He'd, he'd uh, come back from a deployment. It was rough, and, and he said, I'm going to get into the civilian sector. I'm going to get a job. I've got connections with some folks in high places, and I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to talk to the folks that I know. And so he found out what the qualifications were, and guess what? He met them. He met the qualifications that were set forth. So he went to uh, meet with his, his boss, and his boss took him on a tour of the facility, and this was how he, how he kind of toured the facility. <clears throat> hey, this is Janice. <clears throat> she answers to you. Hey, this is Mark. He answers to you. Hey, this is Bob. Bob answers to you. Rita, she answers to you. And even though this guy was qualified for the job, he had no idea what his job was. <laughs> he had no idea what he was doing. He was an operations chief, and he didn't know what that meant. That is not what his background was in, in any way, shape, or form. But it was a six-figure job, working for someone in the family. See where I'm going? And he, according to the paperwork, he met the qualifications. He was in no way prepared for the job that he was given. He had never worked in that line of work. It was actually a prison system. He was not prepared for the line of work that he was put into. And within about a year, it spit him out. Ruined him. Now, he was qualified, according to the to the documentation. He met the prerequisites, but he was not prepared to follow through with the job that he was given. So there's gotta be more than just do I meet the minimum qualifications to do the job that's that's put before me. Luckily, we have wisdom from from Paul um, to, to let us know what that is when we're talking about the work of the ministry. Otherwise, we have a lot of really good intentioned people in ministry, don't we? Sure, we do. A lot of people join ministry like they join the police force. I want to help people, right? But boys, there's so much more involved in both of those jobs, right? <laughs> I want to help people. Of course, Of course we do. So we're going to talk about what that is today. The, the text that we're going to be in is in First Timothy chapter four. I'm going to start reading right at the beginning to give a little bit of background so you'll know what, what Paul goes into as he starts to teach us. He says, now the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons through hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. They forbid marriage. And demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. And nothing should be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. So then he starts to teach Timothy. He says, if you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good servant Of Christ Jesus isn't that really what we strive to be we strive to be good servants of Christ Jesus not good employees not even good leaders those are all good things but we should strive in the ministry to be good servants of Christ Jesus nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. But have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness, for the training of the body has a limited benefit. But godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. In fact, we labor and strive for this because we've put our hope In the living God, who is the savior of everyone, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise your youth. Instead, you should be an example to the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy, with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things. Be committed to them, so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for by doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers, let's pray. Lord, you have preserved this text for thousands of years, not as a history lesson of the way it used to be, but as a way forward, as a standard to hold ourselves against. Father, we pray that we would submit ourselves to your standard That we would know your standard. That we would teach your standard. And that any standard that we would ever teach, we would always press up against yours. Help us, Father. We need you to lead us and to be our example. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. A lot in there a lot of points, almost a list, right, almost. I won't call it that, though. I won't call it that. We've got some great teachings, some great characteristics, we'll call them, of or marks, maybe, of the faithful or good teacher, the good servant of our Lord Jesus. So first and foremost, we want to say, What's, what does Paul say? Right at the very beginning here of the, of the section that he's teaching, he says, if you point these things out to the brothers. Now, that's not where I started today. I started a little bit before that because that's the, these things that he's talking about, right? He's referring back. So we've been talking for weeks and weeks throughout this text about false teachers, about people who are intentionally, <laughs> deliberately leading others away from the gospel, and toward a false teaching. A, well, we talked this week with the youth about envy and selfish ambition. People who are caught in that, who are caught in sin, who are trying to serve their own selfish ambitions, their own desires. And so we, we see these examples uh, prior uh, in this section starting in four of uh, people who depart from the faith, who pay attention to deceitful spirits, teachings of demons, hypocrisy, lying, Um, Things that they forbid that we should be allowed to do. Um, Things that are allowed that we should forbid. (laughs) Um, So he gives advice here to the faithful, good um, follower of Christ. First and foremost, be prepared to warn others of false teachers, of error in in your doctrine. Now, a lot of times we get overwhelmed by this, right? pick this up and we go, where do I even begin? Where do I even start? You should be reading your Bible. Where? Where should I start? Do I read the Old Testament? Does it even apply today? Do Do I start in the New Testament? Where do I start? Do I start in the Gospels? Do I start with the lists? That's where we usually start, right? I need some lists. Just give me some lists. Where do I start? It can be overwhelming, right? It can feel overwhelming. And a lot of times, what do we do? What do you do? We say, well, I'll just wait till Sunday. <laughs> They'll teach me something. I'll just do that. I'll just go in on Sunday and just whatever the lesson is there, that's what I'll do. We've got a twofer. We can even come on Wednesday here. We've got two lessons a week. There are a lot of tools at our disposal. Let's, let's just face it, we're spoiled to live now, right? We're spoiled. We have curriculum that's been pre- prepared by organizations who are devoted to the sound teaching of Scripture. We're a part of several of those organizations. First and foremost, the church, right? That, should be, that better be our goal is a sound teaching and doctrine according to the teaching of the Bible. But we have other levels that we're a part of, don't we? We have denominations. We have local associations. Those organizations have statements of faith. We can press our, our teaching, our, our understanding of text against those. And say, uh, what do I th- even believe about that? Well, who do I align myself with? Who do I trust? Timothy trusted Paul. So he trusted Paul's teaching, right? Who do I trust? Well, of course I trust the Bible. But there are times when I read the Bible and it seems to contradict itself, doesn't it? Now, that's usually an indication of my lack of understanding, not of the Bible's clarity. But it seems that way sometimes. So what do we do? Well, a lot of times we should press toward another level, another layer. Well, I'm a Southern Baptist, What do the Southern Baptists say about that doctrine? Let me see. And then what do I do? I just take it at face value? Of course not. I press that against the biblical teaching. And I say, is that really? This statement of faith seems really short and concise. I think I believe it, but is that really what the Bible says? Let me see. And then I press that into the text. I don't take anything at face value. I pray you won't take anything I say at face value. Right? We have all these different layers of accountability. Should we trust them <laughs> and should we use them? I think that's what he's telling Timothy to do. He says, listen, there are a lot of different flavors out there. There are a lot of teachings that you're going to hear that your people are going to be subject to hear. That's another problem with living today. You can hear preaching from a million sources at the click of a button on your computer. And which of those you trust sometimes scares me to death. It scares me. And I think it scares any, any local pastor. Because quite frankly, I'm not a TV preacher. I, I don't know if you noticed. Not because you didn't see me on TV, but just... I'm not that guy, I don't have the charisma, the personality, the, all those things that make a successful TV personality. I pray that today as we press into this text, you'll begin to maybe have some more tools as you assess the man who has set himself apart for the work uh, of, of serving Christ. What do you judge your TV preachers on? What do you judge your podcast preacher on? Uh, whoever you're reading, what are you judging him based on? I hope it's these, qualific- these characteristics, not just the qualifications, but these characteristics of a, of a good and faithful teacher, of a servant of the Lord Jesus. Warning. Warning. Are you warning? Are you warning others of false teaching? That's, the, that's just the first one. We've got 10 more, at least. Two, maintain a steady diet of God's word and good teaching. Do you know anybody who can do a great job of refuting bad, bad teaching? So they can tell you everything that they don't they don't believe, but they don't do a very good job telling you what they do believe. So we don't just need to know to fight against bad teaching, we need to know what good teaching is, right? And I pray that you're you're leaning into that and you know that. How do we do that? By maintaining a steady diet of God's word. Verse uh, 6 bravo here he says, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Timothy had quite a lineage. Right? Yes, yes, he was under Paul, a giant of the faith. But he, we also know of his grandmother and his mother, both Christians mentioned in the biblical text. So we know that he was taught by faithful believers. If you don't have those people in your life, I pray that you become one, <laughs> right? Some of us have different experiences with Maybe we have more examples of what not to do than what to do as far as it comes to our faith. But are you that for someone else? Are you leaning into being a faithful teacher who's nourished by the word of God? And you're passing that on. That's your legacy. That was Paul's. And he's saying that should be Timothy's also. Back to the sources, right? We have so many. It has to be the Bible first, right? That's what he says here. Nourished by the words of the faith. Then good teaching. Then good teaching. Lucky for me, I get to sit under a pastor who, oh yeah, that's right, I'm the pastor. Right? So what do the pastor do? Well, the pastor has sources, right, of good teaching. We have things like conferences, coaching. We have counselors that we can lean into are sending pastors. I have great pastors at Pillar Dumfries who sent, sent us here. And we have all the things that you do, podcasts. We have cohorts of other leaders that come together regularly and talk about how we're making disciples and how we're loving our church members well. We have books. We have all these sources. Again, spoiled, rotten. You now, the first year that we were here, Hamilton and I went to so many conferences. We were like, what? Free conference? Yeah, we're there. We'll be there. Get free. We, we loved it. Were, plus, when you're new, they give you a lot of free stuff. Oh, first year church planner? Yeah, we want you to buy into our stuff. So they'll give you a free, free shot at, at their conference. You just have to get there usually. Um, but we learned really quickly um, by attending so many of these conferences that are huge. Some of them are huge they don't all align with the teaching that we follow. Now, they may teach you how to get more people in the door. They may teach you the best color for carpet, the most attractional music style, um, but they weren't really focused on teaching us how to, make, how to better make disciples of Jesus Christ. So we had to sift through some of that. So, again, there's no shortage of opportunity. Good teaching, though, is what you're looking for. Not just lots of it. Not just regular. Good. Good teaching. Number three. We've already warned against false teaching, but this is just the second part of, uh, of this good teaching thing. Avoid bad teaching. It was so important he said it almost twice, Right. Warn against bad teaching. Make sure you're getting a steady diet of good teaching. Oh, by the way, avoid bad teaching. Refuse it. Don't fall for it. He knows that even the pastor, even the leader, is subject to to falling for it, to believe in it. Because it's hard on a Sunday morning to stand in a building that has just a few folks. When you've been to places that have had lots and lots of folks, And to not let that get a hold of you a little bit. To not not let that discourage you. So you start to say things like, what would it take to, how can we better, and you start to hear all those voices in your head of how to attract and how to keep and how to win and how to, all these things. Very dangerous, very dangerous. But he says here, avoid that. Do not fall for it. How do we do that? Next point. Verse 7, bravo. He says here, rather train yourself in godliness. Train yourself in godliness. Talking about personal holiness here. Personal holiness. As leaders, what is all of our focus usually on? if we're good at it, <laughs> others. It's on the, the benefit of others, the training of others, the mentoring of others, the teaching of others. We neglect ourselves a lot of the time. I mean, just look at my fingernails. I can't remember the last time I caught them. <laughs> Let's <just> be real. <laughs> Train yourself first in godliness what does the uh, flight attendant tell you when talking about the oxygen mask? You've got to put yourself on first, right? You're no good to anybody if you pass out. And even though everything inside of you says, get your child's mask on, you've got to put yours on first. You've got to be prepared in your own heart. Receive ministry from God for yourself if you're going to be any help to anyone else. Train yourself in personal holiness. For training of the body, now, he he wanted to stay here a second because he knows what our tendency is. He knows what our tendency is and he makes an emphasis here on personal holiness. The training of the body has a limited benefit but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And then he wraps it up with a little bow and says, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Just in case you missed it, the saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Well, we're not too different from the time that's depicted in this passage, are we? They had a lot of focus on body worship, on physical training, on Olympic Games, all these things, right? Like, let's just compare that to today. Between diet and nutrition emphasis, workouts, gym memberships, equipment, Notice he, I don't think he is saying neglect the body. He's saying remember which one's more important for eternity. I mean, I can imagine two folks before God. One, he says, "Okay, let's look at let's look at this. What have we got here? You spent uh, this many hours preparing your perfectly nutritional meals putting them in boxes and bags and setting them aside each day. You, had exa- you knew exactly what was coming in and what was coming out. You spent this much on your gym membership, this many hours getting there and spending time there and, and getting home. You spent this many hours in, in the preparation and, and, the, and the things that you had to do just to buy those things. If you're a believer, what does, he, what, does, what does God say will happen? You'll receive your glorified body, right? So that, that body you spend all that time and money and emphasis on on earth, uh, you're going to get a new one. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. That's just the, that, was the, that was just the first version. That was 1.0. We're going to give you a glorified body. If you're an unbeliever, if you overemphasized the things of this world, the temporary, temporal things, of this world, and you neglected your faith, you neglected the things of God, you neglected the gospel, unfortunately, all those hours that you spent will mean nothing. What did we we read last week? He said, depart from me, I never knew you, but I worked so hard but i did all the right things i read all the magazines and followed all the charts and apart from me i never knew you it's pretty that's that's final that's final that's because it has eternal significance eternal consequences so train yourself 100% absolutely but don't let the training of your physical body overshadow the training of your personal holiness. Make sure that they have the the proper place in your life. You know, that that list that we made a minute ago, if you have have that list of 10 to 20 hours of food prep and exercise and getting there and back versus an hour and a half on Sunday, it's not looking like it's in your favor right now. (laughs) So just consider that for a moment. Consider that for a moment as you are working on your body, don't neglect your personal holiness. But then he says, but work hard. I'm not saying that is easy. Just because you're not pounding your body into submission doesn't mean pounding your soul into submission is gonna be any easier than the amount of time you're spending at the gym. Work hard, he says here. He says, in fact, we labor and strive for this because we've put our hope in the living God. The living God. Is our hope in an idol? Is our hope in something that was created? Is our hope in any number of other things that are supposed to be subservient, submitted to Christ. We have a throne on our heart, and there is something sitting in it. What's on the throne of your heart? Don't let it be something good that's not God, because it might be your wife. That's a very good thing. (laughs) It's a very good thing. To want to please and serve and love your wife. But that needs to be subjected to your relationship with Christ. It may be your job. We need our jobs. We need to be able to provide for our families. But it needs to be under Christ. Christ needs to be on the throne. There's only room for one on the throne of your heart. Don't let all these other things that are competing for that throne grow legs and approach the throne. Keep it in its proper spot it's going to take hard work it's going to take hard work and determination number six he says in verse 11 command and teach these things command and teach these things number six is teach with authority teach with authority Is it advice, 10 steps to a better life? No, it's, it's, it's the word of God. It's the word of God. There, there's an authority attached to that. If you're serving a, a living God, as he just said in the, in the verse prior, then there's authority attached to that. And all those things that I spoke about earlier, the, the Bible, the apostles, the church fathers, the denominational leaders that we, that we fall under, all of those have Committed themselves to that, to the authority that was placed in the scriptures under a living and holy God. Um, we have that same authority if we're speaking God's words. You now, one of the things that I do, I don't like this people, <laughs> I don't like it when you say, "Good, good preaching." That was a great message. It is, but only because it came from this book, only because it's the word of God, only because it has His authority to change and transform us. I pray that you'll always recognize that. And, and when you're under God's authority, when you hear the word of God, ta- of God taught, I pray that you'll recognize, I'm, I'm hearing from God today. And, and I pray that you'll know that you're hearing from God today because if you think that you're hearing a, a message from Brian, I pray that you'll convict me about that and, I, and I'll change my ways because I don't ever want you to hear Brian's words. I want you to hear God's words um, anytime we come together. So teach with authority, he challenges us. Um, next he says, be the example. Be the example. I'm so glad he gave, example, gave, gave actual examples of what he's talking about. Um, like I just said, though, I'm only an example as much as I'm leading people to the real example who's, Jesus, who's in Jesus Christ. That's the true example. And I pray that you'll all accept that challenge that you're leading people to the example of Christ. Because this side of heaven, we're all going to fail. We're all going to appear to be hypocrites because our heart wants to do one thing and our body does another thing in so many different instances. We want Christ to be the example. But this side of heaven, we need to strive to be that example, to lead people toward Christ with our words and our conduct. And here's what he says, and those are the the first two that he leads with. In verse 12, he says, let no one despise your youth. Instead, you should be an example to the believers. First, in speech, so literally in the way that you talk, in the things that come out of your mouth. Be an example to others. In conduct, in what you do, in the things that you do, in your life. In love, in your relationships, Shouldn't all of our relationships be marked with love? Not just the good ones. (laughs) All of our relationships as followers of Christ should be marked by his love. So be the example in the way that you love others. In faith or in faithfulness, in loyalty, in trustworthiness. We're to be the example in that. Lastly, in purity. In purity. Two different different ways here, not just in how you conduct yourself, but even in your motives. Your motives should be pure. We've already talked about it, but there have been so many men in recent months that we've heard of that have fallen in sexual sin. I think there's a number one thing that's responsible for that, isolation. Isolation, I think, leads to that. Accountability is the way we should build our systems so that we're not alone with the, with the opposite sex, so that we're not isolated even in our thoughts to think that there's somehow something better somewhere, and that we should be following that, we should be trusting that over what God tells us, that sanctity of our marriages, that sanctity of our relationships. We need that accountability. That Just that helps us to be an example you know billy graham and even vice president pence right (laughs) in recent months have gotten a lot of grief over this policy that they will never ever be alone with someone of the opposite sex no matter who it is they just refuse refuse to do it they know the the power that sin has it's real it's a real power and they don't want to trust, even themselves, knowing the power that sin can have. Number eight. This sounds a little ridiculous, even saying it after the things that we've already taught. Be biblical. Be biblical. Verse 13. For, excuse me. Verse 13. Let me spit it out. Until I come, Paul says, give your attention to three things, the reading, the public reading, exhortation, and teaching. So what are those? What does he, what does he mean by those? Public reading, well, well, let's look at an example. So in Jesus' teaching in Luke chapter 4, he shows us what he means by this. uh, I'm going to read uh, Luke 4, uh, verse 16 is where I'm going to begin. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today, As you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. They were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Yet they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? So we see him modeling, at least the first two, in the synagogue, the public reading of the Word of God. He's just proclaiming the Word of God. Paul tells Timothy, Do that, (laughs) read the Word. I put in here information, transfer of information. So read the word of God. Give them the word of God. Then we see exhortation, which is what? It's, it's Jesus' explanation. And What does that mean? He explained. This is what it means. He applied it in their lives, right? Here, here are ways that we do that. We, we, we do that in here, right? We give the information and we give the application. That's, that's what exhortation is or explanation. Lastly, teaching this is where the transformation happens, in the teaching. Paul did this. We see uh, in Paul's teaching, or in Paul's uh, missionary work, he, he did this too, right? He taught in the synagogues. He exhorted people in the synagogues. But then where else did he minister? He also ministered house to house. Right? That's where teaching occurs, right? In personal relationships, Pray that we all have those relationships where teaching is occurring one-on-one, one-on-two maybe, in smaller groups where that real transformation can occur, where, where you can connect the dots, where the Word of God is personal. It's made personal. So exhortation follows the public reading, but then so does the teaching or the personal application in a relationship. Number nine, he says, "Follow through, follow through, fulfill your calling." Verse fourteen. Oh, I need to get back to my original text. Verse fourteen, he says, "Do not neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy, with the laying on of hands by the council of elders." We talked about calling. Last week, the the three A's of calling. I actually picked up a new way to refer to this this week, another illustration. So we we talked about aspiration, this desire that you have to lead. So aspiration. Another uh, commentator calls this a subjective. A subjective. So it is um, personal, right? I have a desire within me. No one else can measure that desire necessarily. Only I know what that desire is. Then we move from the subjective to the objective where we measured, we said last week, adequacy so, or competency. Can you do it? Do you have the things within you to actually do that, to teach, to lead? So from the subjective of aspiration or, or desire to the objective, your adequacy, the, the things that people see and that you, the way that you conduct yourselves, the way that you teach, the things that can actually be measured. And then we move to the last one, affirmation. What this other offer calls collective. So, from subjective to objective to collective. This affirmation is within the body of Christ. Others recognize that you have a desire, that you have an adequacy, and you have an ability to do this. So, following through, fulfilling the calling that you said, fulfilling the qualifications that you say you already met, right? So, then doing that. So, follow through. Number 10, be committed. One author calls this single-mindedness, where the Bible says don't be double-minded, right? So be committed, be single-minded. Verse 15 begins. Practice these things. Practice these things. Be committed to them. Be committed to them. Why? For number 11, progress. Be able to show progress. This is why the body of Christ is so important. This is not just me telling everyone what to do, (laughs) right? That's not how Christian leadership works. This is the body of Christ growing me into the man of God that God has called me to be. That comes through seeing my growth, seeing my progress, keeping me accountable to what I say I'm doing. That That requires the body of Christ to do that. It requires humility on my part and submission on my part, but it requires you to, notice what I just did, so you're not off the hook. This isn't just about the leader of the church, right? This is about anyone who would be a good servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as the body of Christ, you also are responsible to do these things. Our next verse here, I believe, is just a summary of what we've all read. It says here in verse 16, Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Isn't that what we just talked about? Your life is important, how you live, how you conduct yourself, and what you teach, the words that come out of your mouth. Those two things summarize everything that we just read. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things. For by doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Perseverance in the faith is the mark of the, of the true Christian, right? Perseverance. So my faith is at stake. My eternal uh, condition is at stake in how I lead others. But who else, as, as being a leader, as, as, as taking uh, what God has given me, as following him to lead the church, I'm also now taking responsibility for others. So both of those are important. My salvation, my eternity, as well as the eternity of those that I lead, both myself and my hearers. So none of us are off the hook, are we? We all have things that we need to be doing, ways to conduct ourselves. But again, this isn't about, oh, good, now I know. That's all I have to do. I just have those, those 11 things. That's it, good. As long as I can keep that list, I'm good. What, what's, what are we all gonna need in this process? We need the grace of God. apart from the grace of God we have no hope (laughs) we have no hope to even begin to keep this list we need God's grace for all of it for calling all the way through the process of being responsible for others because really we're not the only perfection that we'll ever see is Christ's perfection on our behalf Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. Because that's a long list. It's a lot to be responsible for. We can rest submitted to God's perfection through Jesus Christ knowing that He has provided everything that we need. All the tools that we need both to follow Him but really the sacrifice that was needed so that we could even be Seen as servants of His. Thank God. Let's pray. Lord, it's not about a list. It doesn't get me off the hook, by any means. It does not get me off the hook. I have responsibilities as your servant. I pray, Lord, that uh, you'll continue to mold me and shape me, that, that the progress of you working in my heart and in my life would be evident to those around me, that, that when I fall short, others will speak into my life as I've get, been given the responsibility to speak into theirs. Father, help us all to feel subject to the authority of your word and to you because you are living god your word is living and active father help us reveal to us the ways that you want us to serve and love you but help us to be quick father to point people toward jesus christ even our best efforts fall short of his perfection but when you look at us you see him if we rest in him and in the sacrifice that he's already made father we love you so much. We, we thank you, we praise you that you could even use us in this ministry that you've entrusted to us. Father, we're blessed. We're grateful. We pray that we would do all the things on this list, but only as they're subject to you and what Christ has done on our behalf. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Yeah. You want to do it?